Sounds of the ravers, the ravers are right time. Yeah, I see that. You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this episode is with Craig David. This week, we're doing something quite special where we're bringing about episodes from our archives to the forefront. Specifically, our first two episodes, which you might have missed earlier this year, an unheard episode that inspired this entire series, and a special Christmas episode, which was made especially for, well, you guessed it, Christmas. This first episode is actually the first ever episode of the podcast. Originally it was posted when we had a different vision, a different format of what the podcast was going to be. And then eventually we found our legs and the podcast is what it is now. But it was very important for us to find a way to share this first, well, these first two talks within the current format that we had. So essentially we were just like, why not do that? So yeah, this is a bit of a retread, but I'm sure a lot of you haven't heard this. I mean. Yeah, for those of you who've heard this talk already and you're about to hear it again within, you know, our now standard format, you know what? Thank you for listening. And for those of you who are about to listen to this for the first time and don't know what the hell I'm talking about, um, thank you for listening too. Yeah, it's kind of wild to say it, but yes, the first episode of the podcast was indeed with Craig David. He's a lovely man. He has an endless well of stories to share, as you'll see within this talk. And yeah, it's pretty wild. We got to say our first episode was with Craig David. But yeah, I'm rambling. Let's just jump into the talk, shall we? This is the 405 Exchange with Craig David. Enjoy. Smelling like cocoa, but I'm a Versace blue jeans. Ben Sherman top with blue jeans. Going in, living my movie. Ben Tekkers, I'm a steppers. It was up, I dodged that badness. In the corner, smoking the madness. BDL. Britain, the sound of the streets coming through your aerial. Big nasty, all over your. Welcome back to New York, man. It's fantastic having you. Um, Ken with the 405 here sat with Craig uh, David. This is fantastic. Uh, I was curious with New York being the type of city that it is. Do you remember the first time you ever came here? Like, was it to perform and what that was like? Yeah, I mean, I came here, wow. It would have been around 2000, 2001, when we started, when we released the, the record here. Um, do you know what I loved is that, I mean, obviously, you first time to New York and you start to see skyscrapers and yellow taxi cabs and everything you've seen in all the movies. So once I got my head around that, kind of like, wow, we're here. It was kind of then reminiscing about the people that I, at the time, it was just like who were growing up listening to. So you're talking like Biggie's and Brooklyn and kind of, I mean, that's why doing like going to Brooklyn today and, and performing, thinking of like Notorious B.I.G. and thinking of DJ Premier and Gangstar and Nas and all these guys. And you're just thinking for the hip hop that I grew up listening to, I was actually here. And I remember used to go, I used to go over the bridge to a record store. I don't know if it's still there now. It would have been in Brooklyn. It was a big vinyl record store. Um, Wow, what's the name? There's only one, and you'll be. I remember yeah. it's like red and yellow, kind of like, like a, it was almost like the the huge mega store for vinyl. But yeah. I used to go over there and buy vinyl because at that time I was signed to Atlantic, and Craig Kalman, who was there and are there, was a huge vinyl collector. So I remember him giving me like vinyl I couldn't get back home and stuff. So it was a wicked time. Yeah, that's fantastic. Like, that kind of just goes to show, like, how much of a mecca New York could be. And, like, I've noticed, like, when I revisited your music, I noticed that kind of tr- thread of uh, respecting, 
like music that you seem to love. And um, what really caught me, is particularly for following my intuition that I was really impressed with, is that I feel like out of all the records you made before, this is probably your most uh, collaborative record. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really interesting, where here you've taken some time off on releasing records, you released a new one, and this one I feel like it's very much you, but it has you opening up working with so many people. What was that like, being able to do that? Do you know what? The way... It was kind of like a re-entry into into the, the new time of music because I'd been away for like maybe four or five years and I'd moved to Miami and I was setting up there and getting kind of my life in, in, in gear there. But then when I felt like, you know what, actually I needed to be back amongst a lot of the UK producers and songwriters. So a year and a half or so I went back to the UK and I just started working with so many young up and coming producers and songwriters. So at that time, there were the new guys called Blonde, and there was this young guy called Sagala, and there was this guy who was doing this thing for quite a while, Big Nasty. But it was yeah. like, yeah, this. So the collaborations came as a, as me going into sessions and just being very open, because before, I'd never had that experience because I'd been very much with one producer. The first album was just with Mark Hill, and we did the whole record together, and that was just it. Yeah. So it was different to me going in with all these different people and just letting go and then when the albums start to come together weirdly enough everything seemed to kind of like meet in the middle so these records start to pop off as collaborations so that's why a, a, a portion of the record is a collaborative record yeah. rather than it being a, who should I work with it was just like well all of a sudden now Sagala's having the big hits and Blonde's having the big hits and you know yeah. like, I think he also worked with one of my favorite guys, uh, M N E K. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that kid. Man. Yeah, we so worked on a, on a song called "Change My Love." Yeah. With these uh, producer guys called TMS, he's wicked. Then he's a wizard, man. Yeah, yeah. He's got. He has a very a skill set for writing songs that is so natural to him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think hopefully, like at some point, he will be able to release the album that he wants to release, yeah. which weirdly enough is not like the stuff that you hear him writing for everyone else. Really? His, yeah, his stuff is is a lot more kind of neo-soul and kind of, it's a different vibe to the pop records and pop R&B he makes. That's massive so. to hear. You know, what I really loved about hearing this is that when I think about TS5 and what you'll be doing tonight here in uh, Williamsburg, is that I feel like that approach to being open to work with so many people is kind of almost contradictory to how people act when they get older. I feel like so many people find themselves feeling weird about work with old, like people who are younger, people who are doing different things, but mm. you seem very open to it. Do you feel like the spirit of that kind of carried over into how you perform TS5 and how that all got started? Yeah, TS5 is like, it's like, for me, it's freedom, man. It's like chains off and being able to flex just the way that I want to do it. Because when I was in Southampton, yeah. I was working the circuit as a DJ. I was MCing first for another DJ, and then I started doing residencies as a DJ. So that being in the club, playing new records that I just bought from London, learning my craft through, to be honest, through a lot of things not going right. I mean, when the records started jumping and I had to find another bit of vinyl while I'm having to grab the mic and freestyle something to the crowd so they don't go crazy and be like, yo, what's going on? Finding another bit of record, put it on. And then then after people saying, wow, man, that was sick. That thing you did in the middle of your set. And I'm thinking, only you knew what I was going through while yeah. it was happening and all those things led to me being very comfortable around records and decks and a crowd and a mic but then when I released my albums and stuff I never really incorporated the DJ part but then bringing that back in I feel like I'm back like 
in 99, 2000 again yeah. in terms of that. I feel fresh, man. I can play any tunes. I can freestyle. I can vibe. And I know how to hold the crowd through my 16 years of performing yeah. as an artist, which I never had as a DJ back then. So it's, it's wicked combining the two. TS5 is... Is my thing, man. Yeah, well, I was actually going to go into that next because I saw some video of you performing uh, earlier. I think it was like at The Great Escape last year. Mm-hmm. And what I love so much about seeing how you perform TS5 is that the, the, the divide between performing a DJ set or a live set, it doesn't seem like there's much of a divide for you where it's like you are just as active behind the decks as you would be if you're just like strutting mm-hmm. the stage. And like, I feel like for most people going into a show not knowing what to expect, they would be surprised by that. Do you feel like there's that level of like upped engagement because of like how into it you get when you're performing with a TS5 show. Yeah, I think that people who don't understand what TS5 is, yeah. who hear the word DJ, are then kind of locked into that, okay, he must be behind the decks just playing songs. Okay? Yeah. But then when they come to the show, what people gone away with, which excites me, because I know as a performer, yeah. having gone to so many shows of other artists, being a performer myself of what it takes to keep people engaged. Yeah. So I would never. I, I couldn't just play a set and not get even get on the mic or just like, hey guys, and just play music. Yes. Yeah. Anyone could do that. But when you incorporate performance and then back behind the decks and knowing how long to give a song before, if it's, it's too long that people are just like, come on man, we want your tunes and then just yeah. as they're about to, you bam, you're into your own song and every, and you're out doing a freestyle. It's that energy that for me is like. People go away saying, wow, I didn't know what TS5 is, but I, I now know what it is. That's so, massive. You know, going more into that, uh, you mentioned earlier about Miami, and when I was reading about TS5, it seemed like it all started there for you. What was it about being in Miami that birthed this whole TS5? I think it was the thing of kind of having gone crazy clubbing for a while, for about a year and a half, just being out there enjoying South Beach. And then I was just like a little over the being in a club and there being this kind of slight elitist thing of people over this side of the red rope in the VIP supposedly are having the best time ever and the drinks are flowing but if you're on this side now nah you're not worthy and it's not really the place to be but then I would be in the VIP looking out thinking I really would like to be where you are right because you've got all the space to dance (laughs) you can go to the restroom you can go to the bar when you want whereas I'm in here cramped with all these people drinks spilling all over (laughs) everyone pretending they're having the greatest time ever but I'm seeing a lot of people on their WhatsApp and Instagram so I was like I can't I can't do this anymore there was that moment where I was like why don't I throw a house party and invite people to my home got this beautiful place I bought with a lovely terrace and it was just like it was almost fitted so perfectly for a party yeah put the drinks on put food on keep it quite um, uh, selective with who was coming through rather than just open my house like a club yeah and it slowly turned into this thing of people saying oh man firstly it was just playing a couple tunes then it was like get on the mic and do a little something and then they're like okay do one of your tunes yeah and it slowly built into this thing where TS5 was organically growing into starting off with 10 people in my home a couple of drinks yeah. into me doing my home city, going to back to Southampton yeah. I did Common People there one of the festivals mm-hmm. 40,000 people headlining doing oh, the same thing I did with 10 people well, crazy bro. you know what's amazing about uh, Miami for a lot of people who don't know which I think makes a lot of sense in this context is that 
Miami is definitely a lot smaller in contrast to a lot of other cities, but it's also very communal. So I could see how, like, over time, some of that could start with 10 people, and then, like, as more weeks and months went on, you could just like, see more people coming and just, like, the vibe in it. Like, that must have been a really electric, man. Oh, man, it was wicked. Seeing it build to being... And I'm not saying it by a bias because it was my own home, yeah. but it was the best house party that was going on in, in, in South Beach, period. Yeah. Because it was different it, in terms of... It wasn't like I'm throwing a party and there's some music playing and you can there's drinks and food. This was like, you came in as a guy or a girl and I'm on the mic and I'm giving you a shout out. Yeah. So as a girl who's got a beautiful dress on, all of a sudden everyone's looking like, wow, who's that who's come through? Yeah. Or the guy wants to kind of be, he wants to feel like he's VIP. So, so I was like, I'll make you feel VIP, man. I'll give you yeah. a shout out. And, and then, oh man, I feel like, yeah, I feel good. And that was what I wanted people to feel. I wanted yeah. everyone to feel exactly the same and to have the best time they could because for me to perform is what I love. Yeah. So I didn't feel like I was lost in this just drinking and losing my mind. I was able to do what I love. They were able to enjoy it. Win-win. Yeah, and I think what's huge about that and why it must have been going on for as long as it has, TS5, is that you know, a lot of people might hear that and think they could probably correlate that with something else, but especially for me, someone who goes to a lot of clubs and shows and things like that, like that's very specific like that doesn't sound like something i can even recall experiencing anywhere else so it sounds like ts5 it's very much its own thing and experiencing that kind of just reaffirms that yeah i think it's one of those moments where taking it from my home and then putting it into a club was one of the the biggest moves because for, for me because i didn't know how people would it, would accept it or not would they be like yeah it works in my house as a house party in miami yeah but is it going to work in london in the hipster area in Hackney, yeah. in London, to 250 people. Let's have a look. So I went about it and I performed there and I said to myself, I'm not gonna just play the songs that I know that the hipster crowd would just wanna hear. I'm gonna play a similar set to what I would do in Miami. Yeah. So I played like Mario, Let Me Love You, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Which really, on paper, would have been people throwing bottles at you and shouting like, you know, but like, it, what are you doing? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It went off. It was crazy. I saw people like, and this wasn't like an older crowd. This was a young kids in there, like going crazy for this. And I was thinking, this can work, man. Yeah. And it built from 250 slowly to a, did a 750 capacity. Then we did a 1500. Then we got to 5000. Then we did all those festivals and it, it went crazy. So my approach to it in the US is 100% exactly the same. It's like, we start from from the grassroots up. Yeah. Like this is my second show, and we sold out within like ten minutes in yeah. Brooklyn from a show that people don't know what TS Five is. The first time around, that it went crazy fast. Yeah. We've got a little bigger venue, and it's gone crazy fast again. And I can see it happening again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's fine. Yeah. So last question, and you know, thanks again for taking the time to chat. It's fantastic. Pleasure. Yeah. Uh, when it came to crafting the playlist for what you wanted to do with TS Five. What was the track that you like put into there that you were like, I cannot wait to just see the people go off to this? Like, what what's become your like favorite track out of that solos? The one that for me goes off like differently is when I did a freestyle of "Fill Me In" over the Jack U "Where Are You Now" Justin Bieber yeah. record. When I did a mashup of that on on one of the radio stations back in the UK, it ended up going viral and it was like a, a moment. But when I played it in my set, people go nuts to it because they're like, oh, okay, you're going to do that MC and kind of rap speed over it. And that gets people because they're just like, ooh, what is this about? 
So tonight, I'll drop it tonight. You'll you'll you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll feel it because it's when it drops. Yeah. People are like, and I feel it. I have to hold myself back from getting too hyped because I feel like I want to drop drop the mic and jump in the crowd. It's like it gets too much sometimes. <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. That would be in, and the the song's called Sixteen. Cause we re- we re-recorded it and then dropped it and put it on the album on Follow My Intuition, so it, people could actually get. A, studio copy of it too. So. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, Kirk David, that's for time. My pleasure. All on, yeah.